You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstrike me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me, as always, my man, Cody. And we just finished one heck of a Monday night game, which I think we all thought was going to have like Thursday night vibes, but that, that was like up there with game of the week here. Yeah, Jake Browning doing his best Brock Purdy impersonation out there. Had an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, Tyler Boyd was really the only one who just threw the ball straight into the other team's hands there and you know, may have cost him a little bit there at the end, but he- hell of a game. Unfortunately, to get away with some injuries, T-Law, the biggest one out of that, we'll know more in the coming days. We know a little bit coming out of the game as we're recording this one about 30 minutes to an hour after the game right now. So we'll see going forward. But, man, it was a true hell of a game all the way into overtime with a walk-off field goal win. Any other takeaways that you got from this one before we really get into diving into injuries? Just a, a very nice primetime game before we get to Thursday night, the Patriots and the Steelers. So hope you enjoyed all of this one because you probably won't tomorrow or on Thursday. We were joking about it in the Discord, uh, you know, just talking about, you know, as we were watching the game, like just talking about how it looked like, you know, they were trying to make Jake Browning do his best Justin Fields impersonation of just get the ball out quick, screen pass, screen pass, trick play, trick play, screen pass. And it's like, what is happening here? But hey, it was worked out really well. It was really efficient. He did end up throwing the ball other than just screens, but there were a lot. You know, Jamar Chase was still fantasy relevant. Joe Mixon did his thing. I think Chase Brown showed up a little bit. I, I don't think that's anything like, you know, as far as fantasy newsworthy, but he did get, you know, see himself an uptick in, uh, in on field snaps and production. But obviously, the big takeaways here, you know, we'll get into the game as well, but the injuries. Uh, I think we have to just start with Christian Kirk and T Law. Christian Kirk left what was the first play of the game, his first catch, 26 yep. yarder. And then he had a groin, what looked like a groin pull. <laughs> Hopefully, that's what it was, but he was out for the game. Um, what, any update on that one right now? No, we don't have anything else. Uh, you know, Jeff might've, you know, said it was a testicular torsion injury. I don't think that that okay. is fully confirmed. No, it does, does probably seem like it's a growing strain. We don't really know anything about it right now. Hopefully he's able to get back you know, on the field, but 
his injury probably not anything more than a week or two here. The bigger injury, though, is to the quarterback. Trevor Lawrence getting stepped on by his own tackle, walking back and you know giving him uh, zero protection, actually negative protection, stepping on his own player and rolling his ankle. T-Log rolling down in pain, tried to take the step, threw off the helmet, and you knew right then it wasn't going to be – he wasn't going to come back in the game, and you're now hoping that he comes back again this year for at least fantasy purposes. Yeah, there were there were false reports. If you've seen them out there, there's false reports about uh, about what his like an ankle break. Um, but he does have an ankle sprain at this moment in time, and they are just pending MRI. So we should know more in the coming days about what's actually going on. But the way he was limping around, that did, it did not look pretty on video. It did not look pretty after the fact. Uh, so hopefully, it's just a week to week type of situation versus being out long term, especially as the fantasy playoffs approach here. Um, on that note. Any, anything with the injury wise, but like CJ Bathard, that's what, all that you're going to you get right now. I mean, like that's all you're going to get, but like for fantasy purposes, like are you, if you got fab left, you just blowing the load on, on CJ Bathard at this point. I mean, luckily you got a couple other guys. Hopefully you've been able to pick up any of the 30 probably plus quarterbacks who have gotten some starts and probably 15 backup quarterbacks who are going to start it feels like in week 14 hopefully you've got a couple of them but if you've been relying on t-law here to start to carry you through the fantasy playoffs it feels a lot like what we were having last year whenever we saw the lamar jackson and the lamar jackson and jalen hurts injuries kind of derail a lot of teams as soon as the fantasy playoffs started luckily i mean t-law hasn't been balling out for you the way that those two were at the at the end of the season last year but it's probably a lot of the same he's probably going to be missing maybe a week or two, depending on the severity of the sprain. Is it a high ankle or is it low grade? I know he was dealing with the knee injury. I forget if that one's on the same leg or not, that he was dealing with that lower body extremity injury as well. So maybe that has a little bit of hampering on it and his ability to come back from it as well. Whatever the case, it's not good, and you need to be looking to probably not have T-Law for the rest of it. On the weapons, though, it is going to take a, it's going to take a tear down to everything on this offense. C.J. Beathard, maybe borderline serviceable as a backup and think what what was it like a second play in he tried running the ball and fumbled it forward for a first down i mean just shaking uh, the rust off you know yeah the the play worked out well but it's it's not going to be it's not going to be anywhere near the offensive efficiency that we've seen from every piece here etn's probably going to start to see a lot heavier boxes so he's probably going to be a little bit more hampered down the stretch it's not good for calvin ridley we already talked about the christian kirk injury and then Evan Ingram is going to be down tiered a little bit as well. I think the big one here, if we do see the beyond just the quarterback injury that we can, I think, wrap up here and move on to Parker Washington stepping in for the Christian Kirk. Tim Jones looks like he's probably not the backup in the third in line anymore. Parker Washington down the stretch. But again, you're dealing with an offense that isn't going to operate with as much efficiency. I mean, you can pick him up on some best ball rosters, but I really don't have any more interest than that. Yeah, I mean, Parker Washington did get six targets, caught all six balls for 61 yards and uh, a nice little touchdown there as well. So he was definitely involved. Uh, Ridley did have eight targets along with Zay Jones. And then leading the way was Evan Ingram with nine targets, nine catches, 82 yards and one touchdown. So he was kind of the beneficiary. Um, I mean, he had a a good game with T-Law as well. CJ Beathard did go nine for 10 just for the record and 63 yards. He did have that awkward fumble, but... um, I, I don't know that I'm totally dismissing the weapons. I think they're going to find a way to get their their weapons, you know, the ball in space. I just don't think it, it means obviously not. It's not T-Law, right? Like it's not a, a 
competent, high quality quarterback throwing the ball. So uh, there's definitely going to be limitations of what CJ Beathard can do with this offense. But I do think it's probably a boost for Evan Ingram, uh, just kind of trusting a tight end. A lot of inexperienced quarterbacks or quarterbacks like that, you know, do get in. They immediately look for their tight end, uh, first read tight end type of situation. So we'll see how that kind of pans out. But um, I, I would definitely, I mean, I'm interested in adding CJ Beathard if you have to. Um, if you have T law, I think that's probably your best bet because all these other quarterbacks have been owned, right? Like Flacco's probably owned. Um, I, Browning's owned. I mean, if they're not, like, I think those are the guys I'm taking over CJ Beathard. Maybe. Yeah, right. Maybe. And then, you know, maybe do you want to do you want to try to play the lottery game of what's happening in the New York Jets quarterback situation? Uh. Who's actually going to start there to try to backfill? Is it going to be Trevor Simeon? Can they convince Zach Wilson to get back on the field after he told them no, according to some reports, after they wanted to put him back in? Uh, shocking that the you know, the New York Jets, while, while Zach Wilson is not good at the football, it's you know shocking that he isn't the only problem. Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon aren't any better. Uh, this team, That team is dead to rights. Uh, I, I don't think they're mathematically eliminated yet. For all intents and purposes, Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back this year. That team's dead. Well, we'll get into that game here in a little bit and touch on that. But yeah, I think Zach Wilson needs someone's mom to come help him out so that he can have some confidence to play football again. But um, yeah, <laughs> you know we we kind of recap. Let's let's we recap the Monday night game. Let's touch on some other injuries before we go uh, totally derailed here. Uh, so the other injuries here this week. So that was Monday night. Uh, we obviously had Tank Dell with the broken fibula out for the year. I know you've been a big Noah Brown fan. He did get goose egg this game, but I, I don't totally think it's just a, uh, you know, writing off of Noah Brown. Do you think he's going to have a, a decent role going forward now or, you, or will it go more towards Robert Woods? There's actually been, uh, I think it was a pretty good split between Noah Brown and John Mechie actually in this game. John Mechie's seen a little bit of work out of the slot too, but it's going to be Noah Brown lined up outside on the, uh, on the opposite side of Nico Collins. Obviously, it's a blow to the offense as a whole, but with the way that CJ Stroud's been able to distribute the ball so far within this offense and use all three, four tight or four weapons, if you include, I mean, Brevin Jordan filled in in this game. It was actually pretty yeah. serviceable for Dalton Schultz, and I expect him to be back as well. I actually don't think this is like, I don't think this is a negative on CJ Stroud. Obviously, it sucks for Tank Dell and everybody that was going to ride him into fantasy playoffs here, but I actually don't think for the offense as a whole that this is that detrimental. It's really just a downtick of production for any of those Tank Dell shares that you had and you were banking on. I, I would say that it probably is a 75 25 split, probably the rest of the way between Robert Woods and John Mechie right now. And I wouldn't expect you know, much more uh, goose egg games from Noah Brown. I do expect him to go back to having some more big boom bust game, boom bust games that he's had over the course of his time. Whenever he's actually healthy and on the field, he's been performing well. So first game back from the injury, I don't really read too much into it for Noah Brown. The offense, I, I, they're going to take a little bit of a step back, but CJ Stroud's good enough. This offensive system and scheme is good enough to keep on chugging along. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think, and you know, as we touch on that team, like just looking at some of the splits that they did have, you know, it was his first game back from injury, uh, but he did split. I think he had 24 snap or uh, sorry. Um, Noah Brown had 55 snaps. He did run 30 routes. So he was actually tied there with Nico. So he did have a full share, but Robert Woods was also out there. 16 routes run to John Mechie's 13. Brevin Jordan with 27 Singletary with 14. So they had a nice little, uh, you know, variation of this offense. But yeah, I, I think Noah Brown will be more of the number two in that in that role um 
and maybe it was just a flute game. I, I'm not, it's Noah Brown. Like, what, what are we talking about here? He's had two monster games in the end. And like for best ball, yeah, you're hoping that those types of games can still happen for him. Um, and, and I think they will. It's just, he had a tough matchup. Denver's defense has been playing a lot better. Yeah, Hopefully even slotting even slotting him in the lineups, I'm still fine rolling Noah Brown back up there, back out there. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have to in deep leagues, I'm down. So, um, yeah, next injuries here, just kind of roll, rolling through the running backs real quick. Here we had Ramondre with the ankle uh, on a hip do- hip drop tackle. X rays are negative. We are still pinning an MRI right there. Zeke filled in in his place fairly well, or you know, as well as you can in that offense. <laughs> um, right. Sounds like He's, it's a week to week thing with Ramondre, but like, where are you at with uh, with Zeke going forward here? I mean, it is it is fully going to be Zeke. The only other two that are actually name worthy on this offense are Jamichael Hasty, who I didn't realize that they had picked him up off of waivers from the Jaguars a couple weeks back. So <laughs> Jamichael Hasty turns into the kind of like Zeke role, maybe. But I, I, I think this is going to be Zeke probably ninety percent of the time. The only other running back hybrid there is Ty Montgomery, but he isn't even running routes, so. I don't see any uptick in usage for him. I think it's literally just going to be Jamichael Hasty and Ezekiel Elliott down the stretch here for a team that's god awful anyway. Uh, the team will the team will get into a little bit further, but for the Ramondre injury, looks like a high ankle sprain. You can't. I'm not relying on him to score me any points for the rest of the fantasy season. Coming off the high ankle sprain as a running back, tough. The assumed high ankle sprain, and it, it looked really bad. Like it looked like you he might have actually had that fracture, and thankfully that came back negative, but. I'm not I'm not going out there. And even if he comes back week 16, week 17, banking on him actually performing for any anything, especially with this offense as it is. Yeah, this offense is brutal. Zika will have an opportunity to uh, get you some garbage time RB2 type of weeks. So fingers crossed for Zeke to survive and uh, this offense to, to be somewhat uh, competent going down the stretch here. So the other injury at the running back position was B-Rob hamstring injury. Antonio Gibson filled in in his place. I mean, we all kind of know what Gibby is. We know what this offense is. Where are you at right now with with the B-Rob injury uh, when it comes to to his fantasy playoff hopes? Unfortunately, kind of like the high ankle hamstrings, especially for these skill guys, hard to come back from depending on the severity of the strain. We'll know more going forward. But uh, again, you're not really relying on much B-Rob coming down the stretch here either. Hopefully back in like two, three weeks if we're if we're lucky on that. And then hopefully he's back to form as well. But again, on a bad team, the offense isn't bad, though. I mean, they're still they're still putting out points. It's still scoring. B-Rob's been a top 10 running back this entire season. So hopefully he's able to get back. But for right now, I don't even know if it's that much of an improvement to Antonio Gibson. This is going to be like Chris Rodriguez is there. Then he's probably going to fill in. <laughs> then you have Derek Gore and Jonathan Williams that are also there deep on the roster as well. I don't have much hope of them getting in, but we haven't seen much of Chris Rodriguez do anything either in this offense. So it'll be interesting to see what the splits come out like next week or actually not next week because they do have a week 14 buy. So we won't see anything until week 15. Maybe that could, you know, you're going to, you won't see anything out of this, this offense until then. So you'll already be in the fantasy playoffs unless you're playing in week 18 playoff leagues, maybe. And you should get out of those (laughs) if you are. So, uh, you're probably not relying on B Rob going forward here. And so unless you're in like the fantasy playoffs, because even first game back from injury, I'm probably not putting him back out there. Yeah. I want to see what kind of happens. Gibby did get 10 touches or 10 carries 35 yards to uh, Chris Rodriguez is seven for 29. Very similar output. Um, Gibby was at least a targeted targeted in the passing game, had five targets, four catches. So that was, you know, a nice little bump for, for fantasy purposes, but yeah, it, uh, 
monitor the situation. They have the bye week, see what happens. Um, maybe tentatively add Chris Rodriguez and, and Gibby if you can find them in, in your league. I'm obviously not trading for them and trying to go spend a whole lot the way that they, this team uses the running back position. It's pretty much B-Rob. Uh, outside of that, it's just going to be a committee or Sam Howell chucking the rock 50 to 60 times a game. So yeah. that's kind of what we have to look at there. I already sold Antonio Gibson during the game for a third. There you go. <laughs> and this might be your opportunity to sell Gibby if you still have trade windows open too. So um, last running back injury here the, uh, of note. Sounds like Derrick Henry is not in the concussion protocol. Uh, so that's no. good. But he did not return to the game. So monitor the next couple of days of practice. See what's going on with that when, when we actually see him on the practice field. But uh, it seems like him and Ty J Spears still had you know significant roles in this offense for that running game. Derrick Henry concusses the ground. Derrick Henry does not get concussed by the ground. Come on. He's like Chuck Norris. Is that what this is? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Derrick Henry had a very good game. I think he had 20 carries, 100 yards, had a couple catches as well. So, I mean, he had 120 all purpose yards, a couple scores. This is one of the best games for of Derrick Henry's season uh, this year. And it's December. So, shocker, right? Uh, December Derrick Henry coming out in full force. I think Ryan King Henry season. I'm King Henry. A little, little bit worried about this team, though. Um, it, you know, we we talk about this. These are the situations that you start to look at when we get down the stretch, as as far as like what where the team is at, what they're trying to do. Um, I, I'm not fully thinking they're just going to bench Derrick Henry, but it wouldn't be surprising if they wanted to see you know get more run for Spears Make sure we're just kind of testing out the young offense and seeing what the future holds for them, because in the end. Derrick Henry's a free agent at the end of the season. So uh, this team is not in the playoff hunt. They are four and eight. So at what point do you just say, hey, we got a an expensive placeholder in uh or you know in Ryan Tannehill, and now we have an expensive backup running back in Derrick Henry for the rest of the season? Like, I'm just curious, like, do you think that that's possible? I, I don't know if Rabel's necessarily that kind of guy, which is the only like saving grace for me. But I mean, it's a concern. We we've seen it all year. Ty J Spears and him have been splitting. So I don't I don't see any reason why you wouldn't give the rookie more burn. Uh, not not like more burn, but I I, I don't see any. I, I don't see reason that they're just going to go back to giving Henry twenty plus touches a game down the stretch here. Even if it is his season, uh, there's not much reason to do that. Whenever you have the rookie who probably I mean r- running backs don't really need like the development or anything like that, right? But true. I don't I don't see any reason that anything that we've seen throughout the year is going to change going forward just because of this game. Then that's fair. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. So again, monitor his health just to see what's going on, make sure that he is in fact healthy, but it sounds like he's gonna be ready to go for for week fourteen uh and and beyond. And if they do continue to give him the ball, we're all gonna be happy, Henry owners. So last few injuries here uh to talk about our couple quarterbacks. Uh Kenny Pickett, ankle surgery. He's not been ruled out for the season yet. But for fantasy purposes, I mean, you should have ruled him out a while ago. <laughs> so. Yeah, Jake Browning just had a better game than uh, Kenny Pickett has ever had in his career in terms of fantasy points and by a good margin, too. So, uh, dude, man, it's so bad. But what I do think is potentially actually good about this is like we're not going to get to see Kenny Pickett down the stretch with this new offense. Like he's really only had one game in which he was actually good and one game where he wasn't performing very well, but due to you know, ex- existential factors of the weather and everything like that. So could it be like, I, 
do you really give up on Kenny Pickett yet? Your first round draft pick in year three, it, it could be one where, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky's already there and we'll see how he finishes out the season with this team. But if honestly, you, you probably still need to see more out of Kenny Pickett. So it could be a thing where at least in terms of just being a starter next year and him being worth just the pure production of him being on the field and locked in as a starter. It might actually be beneficial for him if he doesn't end up struggling down the stretch just because he didn't have the chance to play at all. Yeah. I mean, the, the team itself is in a situation where I'm not totally concerned of them taking a quarterback in the draft. I mean, it would have to be like, you know, late first or second round type QB, but never ruling it out. Like it hasn't been pretty. And I do think Matt Canada was a good chunk of it. But I, I don't know if Kenny it's Pickett's also just bad, but yeah. Yeah. Like Kenny Pickett's just kind of a dude. Like he's just the guy. Like he's, he's going to compete with uh, Mitchell Trubisky, and that's just what's going to happen. So fun stuff. I, I think it actually helps him be the starter week one next year, though. In, in a weird way, I think it actually helps him. Kenny Pickett? Yeah. I, th- I think this injury actually with with just not being able to see him without Matt Canada it might actually lean it. It gives me a little bit more credence that he's the starter week one next year. He had a 70 percent completion percentage this game. I mean, before he, before he went out, he was seven for 10. So, you know, things are looking up for old Kenny Pickett. Yeah, that's that's what you want. That's the note you want to go out on. Right. Yeah. Which in turn probably means not very good things for all the pass catchers there as well. Yeah, that's that's so fair. All right, we'll get into that one here in a little bit as well. Last injury update for us here is going to be Derek Carr. Uh, I think the whole right side of his body, brain included, was hurt. It was like shoulder, ribs, arm, concussion, like back. Yeah, and he's been injured two other times pretty badly throughout the season as well. It's been a rough season for Derek Carr, just on the field and injuries all across the place. But we do get the Jimmy Dubs experience. Jameis Winston going in and doing Jameis Winston things from pass one, throwing an interception and then another interception that tips right to the hands of Chris Olave for like a 60-yard touchdown. Wild. Full Jimmy Dubs experience right back in there. I love it for the rest. If Derek Carr misses time, he's probably at least missing a week here, but it looks like it'll be Jameis for at least a week and then Taysom Hill mixed in. Now he mixes in just even at a higher clip here for the next week or two if Carr misses any extended time. I am just more annoyed that I have to hear you say Jimmy Dubs for like the next few weeks. So, uh, yeah, we we get the Jameis experience with that wide receiver core. Going to be fun. Um, that's really going to wrap up the, the the key injuries here for, for the week, and we'll get into the, the entire slate. So let's just hop right into the Thursday night uh, recap since we already kind of touched on Monday night. Thursday night was actually a very good game for the first time in a while. Yes, they both got a full week off since we had Thanksgiving week and then the Seahawks played the Cowboys, you know, seven days later. Great game. Great game. Seattle Seahawks pissed down their leg and ended up losing this one, unfortunately. But uh, incredible football game itself. Geno Smith looked a lot better. DK Metcalf had an incredible stat line of six for 134 with three touchdowns on eight targets. JSN actually led the team in targets with 11, uh, getting seven for 62. Charbonnet did well, then got hurt. Very Just both sides of the ball, there was some offensive production. Lamb, 12 for 116. I mean, a fun football game. Finally, a fun Thursday night game. What were your takeaways here from Thursday night? 
again, going back to what we're going to have to try to sit through and enjoy on Thursday, you, you got a good Thursday night game and then you got a good Monday night game in prime time. And it's just, it's trying to double up and mask the fact that we're going to have to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mitch Trubisky and Malik Cunningham in the wildcat on Thursday. That's all that this game was. It was a gift from the football uh, gods and we have to accept it and we have to be thankful for it. But no, it was a, it was a fantastic game. Unfortunately, we did see Sharbs get hurt. Wasn't that efficient on the ground, but serviceable man i mean going there you get 40 yards on the ground six or 60 on the ground and 40 through the air it's a hell of a hell of a good game from zach charbonnet also finding the end zone but did get hurt we don't have it's the seahawks so we're not going to get too much information about what it is i think pete carroll described it as a bruise to his knee so monitor going forward there's not much you can really do with these seahawks injuries but a good game from gino too the the gino revival coming back against strong and strong dallas cowboys defense and cooking the defensive player of the year some were trying to call him before this game although he did get that as i say bland did show up late late game pick yeah he did get it it's the it's the dallas cowboy (laughs) quarterback curse of you either get burnt or it's a pick six that's about the only two options whenever you're a uh high high profile dallas cowboys quarterback so Good to see from Gino in this offense. Unfortunately, they're not winning the game though, and it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for them to make the playoffs here down the stretch in a decently competitive yeah. NFC West right now. Yeah, they they do have a tough schedule coming up to to wrap things up. I think they have two against the the 49ers if I'm not mistaken. So, uh going to be a very very rough uh a rough week ahead. On the other side of the ball though, you have the Dallas Cowboys, and we have Tony Pollard showing up, CD Lamb, Jake Ferguson and and I just don't even want to mention the fact that everyone just dismisses Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott's been like a top six quarterback in fantasy for the past eight weeks like it's been unbelievable he's been on on quite a tear uh so he's been playing really really well this entire Dallas offense has looked good again Lamb getting 17 targets which is unreal unreal but um i think we've started to see jake ferguson truly come into his own ray talked about him a lot in the offseason saying that he's going to be you know he's going to be dalton schultz and um we've seen some flashes here and there and this was kind of a dalton schultz game like six for 77 and a touchdown like that's what we used to see out of dalton schultz in that tight end position where are you at with this dallas offense going forward down the stretch everything's everything's fantastic unless your name is michael gallup and if your name's michael gallup you probably ain't gonna do anything down the stretch but Cooks, Ferguson, <laughs> CD, Pollard every once in a while. He's still going to be inefficient on the ground. I don't really trust the Seattle Seahawks defense as they're currently playing right now. But everything else, man, this passing game, you want all the pieces coming down the stretch here for your fantasy playoffs. Yep. So uh, keep riding them out. I think Cooks has been getting more involved as well, which has been great to see. Uh, and again, you got to start Dak. You got to start uh, CD. But yeah, those, those offensive weapons are, are a lot of fun. And of course, Pollard hey you know he needs to fall in the end zone but when he does he'll he'll be a a, a significant performer for you so at least giving you rb2 numbers on a week so uh let's recap the weekend slate let's start off with our head-to-head game you know we had your houston texans against my denver broncos two six and five teams battling it out for a playoff spot man you know it was a good game and and you came out on top so so props to you and your texans yeah, you know, we talked about the Tank Dell injury already, unfortunately. We can get into a little bit of the dynasty implications of that if we want to here in a second. Yeah. But 
uh, really the big takeaways for me here, Devin Singletary, I hope you enjoyed those two weeks because Big Daddy Damian Pierce is back and (laughs) Devin Singletary is back to being a secondary role here. Even if he is more explosive, Damian Pierce is going to be the plotter up the middle. Damian Pierce isn't going to, or Devin Singletary isn't going to have those 150 yard games anymore that Devin, that Damian Pierce is back now. This is just a CJ Stroud, no matter what the weapons are, no matter who the team is, he seems to just keep balling out. So it's going to be just kind of like this Dallas Cowboys team. I want every piece of this Houston Texans passing offense that I can get, especially now that it looks to be a little bit more concentrated with Tank Dale going out for the rest of the year. I mean, Nico Collins had a hell of a game. He had 12 targets, 11, nine catches, 191 yards and a touchdown. So he he tore it up. Uh, Noah Brown didn't do a whole lot. He got his two targets. And as we mentioned, John Mechie did get more involved with 13 routes run, three targets. Uh, and Brevin Jordan did have a nice game himself. So uh, him getting five targets and getting involved in that offense was great to see. It was because Dalton Schultz was out. So again, kind of one one week thing or, you know, while while Schultz is out, I guess you can ride your, your Brevin Jordan stream option. Um, and yeah, Devin Singletary is just kind of back to that secondary role. Uh, he did out snap Damian Pierce. And out, you know, ran more routes, but was not involved in, in the same capacity. It was nine touches to fifteen. So, D- Damian Pierce is back, and uh, yep, and I enjoyed my few weeks of Devin Singletary. Helped me win some weeks, and that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it over on the other side of the ball though russell wilson was just forced to make turnovers like that was honestly the story of this game was russell wilson oh, was forced to make some turnovers forced to play he was forced to play comeback mode and that's not the way that russ is able to win games anymore he needs to play from in front manage the game control from the offense and he was for, forced to make some decisions and current russ is not able to do that he's game manager russ right now Yep, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Sutton had a nice touchdown grab. Jerry Judy was, I you know, just Jerry Judy. That's what you you know, middling wide receiver four basically at this point. Uh, the big thing that that did kind of stand out to me with this one was Marvin Mims is getting less and less involved in the offense. Um, he, he they were at one point trying to ramp him up and get him more involved, and it's just kind of stayed with that same kind of stagnant role. I mean, little Jordan Humphrey was more involved than he was, so uh, you know, he knows the offense a little bit better 14 to 15 routes run. And I mean, Marvin Mims, I don't know, man, like you give him an off season, I guess, at this point, but uh, that's a that's a scary pick at this point. I just think that they're just kind of using him in to, to serve a role in that offense. It does feel like that. That's feels feels like you. That's not the type of usage you want to see from a guy who you traded up for with your first pick in the draft, right? Yeah. Is is there any hope coming? Like, let's go. Hey, we're we're at the end of the fantasy season now. Probably most people know you're in the playoffs. You're out of the playoffs. Is there any hope that, like, with the departure of Jerry Judy here in the off season, potentially that Marvin Mims could step into that role? Because I don't think there's any reason you're really bringing Jerry Judy back on the contract that he's probably going to want. And demand from the market, even though he hasn't ever really proven it at a high level of efficiency or consistency throughout his rookie contract in the NFL. It's the wide receiver position and he's going to get paid. I don't think that this is the type of team to pay him, though. So is there a little bit potentially of him stepping into that role next year? Maybe on some of those teams that are outside of the playoffs, your trade deadline still open that you could try to target a Marvin Mims. I mean, I think that's that's your hope. That's what that's the story you're going to you're going to sell yourself. But in the end, like. I don't think that he's going to step into the number two role on that offense. I don't think that he's just going to replace, replace Jerry Judy. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the struggle 
that that we're gonna see is like do they bring someone else in maybe that's just the selling point right like maybe you sell this offseason on the fact that marvin mims is going to be the number two before they sign anybody in free agency or before they trade for or uh make you know make any draft selections this this upcoming draft because there is a lot of wide receivers in this class uh fairly deep class as a whole so going to uh going to be a situation to monitor that's how i'm kind of addressing the the Marvin Mims thing. I, I have him in a few spots. Not, I didn't get him in too many, but um, you're just kind of hoping and praying right now. That's exactly it. Running back. You don't want anything other than Javante, right? You'll get Samaje yeah. and McLaughlin sprinkled in, but Javante is the only one you ever want to start. Exactly. I mean, that pretty much wraps up this game. Obviously CJ Stroud uh, did his thing again. Uh, elite quarterback, like just, just a special it's, kid, just a special it's, talent. It's, it's fantastic. I think I've finally gotten over like my, my like pessimism as a fan. Like I think I've finally gotten there. It's a very hard thing to get over for me naturally just to like, just waiting for it to fall apart. I think I'm finally there that we're, we're actually a legitimate franchise again. It's, it's, it's good. It's good to be a fan right now. You know, and it's funny to hear you say that as a, as a super pessimistic fan that I know that you are the fact that, you hated the CJ Stroud picks so much at the time. You you, you thought yep. they were just trading up to waste it. And like now CJ Stroud is the reason why you're happy to be a fan. Like I love to hear it. What a turnaround. It's, you know, it's like the epitome of not only fandom, but just fantasy as well. Like, you know, we have to adjust sometimes and, and you've adjusted quite well. And uh, Hey man, I, I wish the Broncos had CJ Stroud because I'd be happy to. But, it's a long, uh, long ways away from those. Me campaigning for Case Keenum 17 game star <laughs> days. Jeez. Yeah, we, we might want to burn uh we might want to burn those records there. So um ne- next game up here on the docket, kind of kind of a boring, I mean not kind of a super boring one. Like the fact Awful. that they even played this game was is kind of shocking. Uh the Chargers and the Patriots in a, a six to nothing uh just absolute trash fest. Zeke Elliott highlighted the game, I guess, with his 17 carries, 52 yards, 40 receiving yards on four catches, since he did replace Ramondre. In this game, uh, Keenan Allen still had, I mean, I think he only had 50 yards catching or receiving. It, it was just a brutal game. Um, I kind of don't even want to talk about it. Like, there's really not much to talk about other than the fact that, like, what, Mac Jones wasn't playing and then, you know, Ramondre got hurt. Like, that's pretty much the highlights. No, there there are no highlights. There's only okay. lowlights. There's only <laughs> lowlights of this game. Uh, what, what's the stat? The, the, the Patriots have now held opponents to 10 points or fewer in three straight games and lost all of them which has never happened in nfl history before that's just this offense is broken everything needs to go bill belichick the gm needs to go the reason that you keep him around is for the reason that we just highlighted you held three weeks in a row to 10 points or less the defense is still good it's just the offense that is truly incapable of doing anything right now We'll see if it I, – I don't know what we see down the rest of the way. I don't want to start a single Patriot for the rest of the year. If you want to add some speculative Malik Cunningham's out there that he might get some uh, – you know, maybe he gets the zappy treatment of last year that he actually shows some sort of flash as like a wildcat quarterback. Like if, if you had to bet on one quarterback to actually be meaningful in fantasy for the rest of the year in the Patriot system, who would you take? My bet's Malik Cunningham. Oh, I mean – because no matter what Zappy or Mac do, they're they're not going to put up a not fan- be, Yeah, so they're not going to be fantasy relevant. Like that's the problem. Like I'd say Zappy's going to get the opportunity, but like 
yeah, I guess if anyone's going to come out and shock us and, and get some rushing upside, maybe Malik Cunningham is the answer. But yeah, like that, ugh, just just gross. The the only other thing I did want to touch on in this game, um, Austin Eckler, been scary awful. bad, scary bad right now. He's been awful too. The, the good thing for Eckler, the good thing for Eckler is down the stretch, his fantasy playoffs are like I'm pretty sure he's the best playoff matchup in terms of defenses giving up points to the fantasy running back. So there's a little bit of hope there, but truthfully Eckler, Eckler like he cannot run up the middle with this offense right now. The rushing game is not going to be where he thrives. If he doesn't catch probably six, seven, eight passes in a game, he's not going to give you a fantasy relevant game, even against those God awful teams at the very bottom in terms of giving up points to the fantasy running back. So you hope, you hope that he can turn it around with some passing work here down the stretch but even if you have him on the contender you can't feel good about rolling him out there every week right now you have to because he's going he's going to be rolled out there because he can bust out those uh, 100 yard games and two touchdowns anytime but again this offense just kind of like on the other side of the football is broken right now the biggest reason why though is the wide receivers who I think I'm honestly even more inclined to talk about Eckler it's a dead asset on the competing team you got to roll him back out there but QJ is the one that I really want to talk about here what's your bailout price I want to play a little bit of a would you would you rather uh, Noah Brown or QJ? Straight up. I mean, give me QJ or not QJ. Give me Noah Brown down the stretch here. Like if I'm especially if I'm contending and I'm looking for points. Like I'm I'll not even my, talking about that. I'm just talking pure dynasty at this point. I mean, you know what? Give me Noah Brown too because I'm, 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 I'm getting I'm like getting on third, board with that. A third for QJ is that is that the bailout price? Man. Like that feels awful, right? I, feels awful. I don't think you're pulling the second for him. <sighs> and down here, I, the, if you gave me a second, I'd be out. I, I'm so I mean, gone. if you, <laughs> like you want to play, if you want to play the KTC game, Brandon Cooks right now. I don't care how old he is. Brandon yeah, Cooks, Brandon wide receiver, sixty nine compared to QJ in the top fifty. Just the fall. I mean. I guess my question for you he is, is actually wide receiver 50 on KTC as we speak. So with, with QJ, I, he's had some atrocious jobs. It hasn't looked good, we, but we've all kind of thought he was a developmental guy or is this just who he is? Cause I, there, there were people that were saying like, you know, Hey, like he just needs some time to, to, you know, grow his route tree, figure out uh, the NFL speed, but like he has the skill set to succeed in the NFL. It's just going to take some time. There's no room for development anymore. Not in not That's in how right. he played not in how he played Dynasty. I, I I don't care anymore. If he develops into it four years down the road, good for him. I hope he does. Like I, I hope for him, the player and the person that he can actually develop into it. I don't have the time to wait around for that. I'm not gonna bet on it next year with probably I mean, are you really gonna bring back Kellen Moore with how this offense is running right now? When you're Jeez. probably gonna fire Brandon Staley as well. You're probably giving Justin Herbert a new offense again. And then you're rolling out Keenan Allen, Mike Williams on an ACL. I mean, he's got everything set up for him right now, and he still can't perform anything. Like he's being outperformed by guys of like Jalen Guyton currently. I mean, I don't, I don't see how that gets better. They, uh, yeah, sure, you can, de- he can develop, but I, I'm, I'm not the person who's ever going to bet on the <laughs> developmental guy. He's not developing like, on my roster. I'll say uh, that. <laughs> yeah, if if I want to buy back in whenever he's worth a second round pick again, and maybe he can become, like maybe he becomes Gabe Davis eventually. Like that's probably that's probably 
pie in the sky, like good outcome for him right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm out. I, I don't think I had any shares of QJ. I had a little FOMO at first. I, I I was like, man, maybe I should just get one, and I almost did. But man, I'm so glad I didn't. Um, just I was I was hoping that you know, good quarterback, good offense, it was eventually going to work out for him. He's gotten the opportunity, and it just isn't working out for him. So, yeah, I, maybe down the road. But yeah, I guess trading for a third. I mean, forget it at this point. If I if I can get an early third, if I can find a tanking team, get like the 301, 302, 30, like give early, me an early third. Mean, early third don't mean anything. Early third is the same. I know, but it, you know, it makes me feel better on the inside, right? Like it just makes you feel better, right? <laughs> no, but in the end, it doesn't matter. Just take that pick and run. Um, get multiple assets. Can you get a can you get yourself two thirds at this point? I whatever. Just yeah. Take QJ's take- done take anything to get out from the falling knife it it's it's not great right now and who knows i have no idea what the offense looks like again with keenan allen probably still being there mike williams coming back from the injury do they add somebody in free agency you've probably got an entirely new coaching staff and offense as well i goodness if they just had the thought of like oh could they just promote kellen moore if i don't know how you do that with as inept as the offense has been at times, regardless if that's because of injury or not, I don't really care. But too much, too much about this Chargers team. Let's move on into the Detroit Lions and the New Orleans Saints game. Uh, Thank looking you. At, looking at this one, we yeah, <laughs> we we need to move off. This was this was the game. That luckily, Chris Chris Olave played this week, so we didn't have to see the Lynn Bowden, At Perry, and Keith Kirkwood oh. and Mark Marquez Callaway rolling out there. So luckily, Chris Olave rolled out there for this team. But man, uh, we we did get the we did get the Alvin Kamara thirteen carries and eight targets game game a little bit right. That was ni- nice to see out of Alvin Kamara. We we already talked about the injury on that side. This new this New Orleans Saints offense, kind of like what we've been talking about on the other side for some of these people. You also got a goose out of Jawan Johnson when he thought he could potentially have an increased role. I mean, nineteen routes run, three targets, zero catches, I believe. Just a another just bad offense all around. And is it because Derek Carr's hurt? Is it because he's not good? Throwing in Jimmy Dubs as well and Taysom Hill to run the ball. Anything that you really want on this offense the rest of the way outside of Alvin Kamara? I mean, Taysom Hill, I guess. Um, you know, he's getting he's getting run at the quarterback position. They're gonna, I think they'll use utilize him more in specific situations with Jameis Winston now, uh, where he's going to just have that more consistent like wildcat QB role. Uh, Chris Olave, you have to pretty much roll out there. Like if you drafted him in redraft leagues, like you kind of feel like you have to start him. Uh, he's going to be the target earner in this offense other than Alvin Kamara. So whatever that means. And and, and Jameis does like to chuck the rock. So he's he's gonna throw a YOLO ball up there and and every once in you know, every once in a while Olave will come down with that or or Shahid. When Shahid is healthy, that's that he, he's out for at least next week. So that's pretty much it. Kamara, Olave, the rest of this team. And then in Taysom Hill, like the rest of this team, I don't know if I even want to start Jameis. No, you probably you probably don't honestly. No. With as much with as much as you're probably going to work in Taysom Hill too. No, you really don't. But with quarterback as desperate as it is, you probably kind of have to. Hopefully, you've got a uh, hopefully you've got that Taysom Hill over in sleeper league, so you can put him in a super flex spot as well. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, when you get the dual des and you can you can lock him in as a tight end, like that's that's really where I'm looking at. Like, I don't want to start him necessarily at quarterback if I can avoid that situation. 
sleeper best ball leagues, he is awesome because he can fill in as the QB one, the super flex, or the tight end. Fantastic I pick, player. I picked him up. Off, someone dropped him, and I picked him up on waivers earlier this year, and I was like, y'all are missing the point here. And, and yep, absolutely love having me some Taysom Hill. <laughs> so if you are still having a trade deadline open and you're hamstrung at quarterback, maybe go throw out some Taysom Hill offers. Absolutely. The other side of the ball here, we did have the Detroit Lions. Um, Sam Laporta absolutely went off. Showed why he, I mean, I guess why he's the tight end one in Dynasty. End, so, he's definitely tight end one in Dynasty. So uh, nine I, for 140, man. Holy cow. Is he the new Kelsey? Easily could be. The, I think the good thing for him right now is he's serving as the wide receiver too because they don't have anybody else outside of Amon Ra. You're not going to rely on Josh Reynolds or Jamison Williams. The only reason he scored a touchdown this week is because he got the ball handed to him instead of thrown to him so he could actually catch it and run with it. He is fast whenever he has the ball in his hands, but he just can't catch the ball or run routes. But he caught he caught his one ball for a touchdown. I mean, he had a monster week this week. He had yeah. two total touches for 30 yards. And uh oh sorry, yeah, for 30 yards, he did not have another score in the air. Sorry, that's my fault. But um he had one one on the ground. So hey, I mean, J Mo's on the up and up. Everyone's gonna start trying to sell him on uh, on that excitement right there. Yeah, if you can sell him because he took a carry to the house, go go <laughs> go right ahead and do that. Uh, kind of along the same, not as not as bad as QJ, but right along the same kind of trajectory for me. I don't see much difference between those two. Yeah, I, no argument here. Not an argument here. Uh, running back position, we did see the David Montgomery show with his 18 carries and two targets, and then Jameer Gibbs with his eight carries and two targets. So, uh, yeah, back to just being the Detroit Lions, man. Like, there's going to be games where Jameer Gibbs smashes, and there's going to be games where they just let Monty take over. Um, it is what it is. I mean, Gibbs did take his eight for 60, but they still let David Montgomery run the rock most of the time. And he's on a three-year contract there. Like, th- this is going to yeah. be – and then they're probably going to extend – like, not probably. They're going to extend Jared Goff here in the offseason as well. This is what the Lions look like. This is what the Lions look like for a good while now. The only thing that I'm a little bit concerned with of, like – I've seen a lot of people going up and paying these astronomical prices for Sam Laporta right now, especially in leagues that probably don't matter as much at the tight end position. Your 1.5 tight end premium leagues and less, not start to tight end or anything like that. People paying up a lot for Sam Laporta just because we love the youth. The production has been absolutely crazy for a rookie tight end. But like I said earlier, he's serving as the wide receiver too right now. And this team needs a legitimate wide receiver too as an actual playmaker and that's not Jamison Williams or Josh Reynolds who's currently serving in that role if they get that wide receiver too I think we might see Sam Laporta fall back into that like the Evan Ingram the I'm Friar Muth George Kittle range and he's a little bit more of that just like middling tight end but it's fantastic to see out of the rookie i just don't want to vault him up to a range where he's standing alone by himself at the top yeah i mean we've seen these type of games from tj hawkinson when he was with the detroit lions like there were games like that where he just absolutely smashed and don't get me wrong like laporte is playing insanely well i think he was vastly undervalued and under underrated by the the fantasy community um He's done the damn thing. Like he's he's showing out. He's earning targets. One of the most challenging things to do as a rookie tight end is to produce. 
So th- they usually say that it takes a couple of years for t- rookie tight ends to actually put up some good, you know, decent numbers or good numbers for fantasy purposes. And he's he's going out there and doing it. And you're right. They are using him as the wide receiver, too, on that team. Uh, Iowa used him as the only wide receiver on that team. And, you know, it, it suits him well. Like he he he's a good catcher of the football. He is good at the game. So um, I, I'm a little more confident in, in, the, in him especially with it being a competent offense where they are going to to try and get him the ball and shoot, he led the team in targets. I mean, I know that's not going to happen every single week, but if he can get himself seven to ten targets a game, uh, that's going to be a very scary opportunity for Sam Laporta as far as paying up that price. Personally, I just don't know if I'm willing to do that in, in most tight end formats and leagues, but uh, if you got him, you'll love to have him. Yeah, that's just my thing. I just want to caution people on paying up on TJ Hawkinson, Dalton Kincaid, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Trey McBride. Like I I don't value them that much differently within that tier. Like I I just want to make sure we're not putting him in a standalone tier at the very top right now. Yeah, no, I I feel that. And I think that uh I think the way that tight end has, is being viewed is shifting immensely and you know, uh, no bigger. We'll get into the next game here. No bigger uh, way to say that than than Kyle Pitts and what we've seen his value go from and to. And you know, hopefully it gets back up there at one point. But hey, he's on the Atlanta Falcons for for his contract, and we, we know what that's going to look like. So the Falcons did play the New York Jets. Um, that was, you know, I guess an entertaining. It was a close game, not entertaining. That's not the right word. It was a close yeah. game. So <laughs> Bijan had his eighteen carries, five targets. Uh, I believe Kyle Pitts actually did lead the lead, or lead the team in targets with eight, but it was just what the Falcons normally do. They they managed to sneak away with a win that was just an ugly game as a whole. But what were your takeaways from this one? There ain't honestly that much. The New York Giants team or the New York Jets team isn't going to do anything with the passing game. You, you did throw 197 yards total between Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon <laughs> out there. Alvin Cook got some run taking away from Brees Hall for some reason. I guess they might be just trying to get him through the rest of the year at this point. I don't know what you're really looking for with him down the stretch. It doesn't look like you're going to get much of anything. Hopefully, every everything here on the Jets side of the ball is just you're hoping for uh, – I think everybody's going to get a pass. They're going to roll back out the same thing, and they're going to try to re-roll it with Aaron Rodgers. Literally the only takeaway that I have outside of just like not relying on Brees Hall down the stretch for the playoffs is Xavier Gibson. If if you want to have the if you want to have the speculative ad that he gets a little bit of like hype and value going into the next off season when Aaron Rodgers is going to be back, he finally put. I've been talking about him for the last couple of weeks. He's been getting a pretty high snap share. It's been increasing, and he finally turned six targets into five receptions, seventy seven yards in this game. His first fantasy relevant game. I believe he was a top twenty five wide receiver headed into Monday Night Football before we started this recording. I don't know where he ended up finishing with. Obviously, Calvin Ridley, Jamar Chase, and a bunch of other guys doing some stuff on Monday Night Football. But he put together a good week, and I think he could actually be one of the few guys that he might have a little bit of hype around him going into next year with Aaron Rodgers under the under the center instead of anything that we've seen this year and we will see for the rest of the year. Falcon side, Bijan, Tyler Algier is just going to – hopefully he falls in the end zone two times. Nah, Pitts is just a – replacement level tight end at this point shocker and uh yeah michael pruitt's the one catching touchdowns it's not even johnny smith there's a third I one know. now that's out there too i know 
it's his time of year. This is what Pruitt did last year. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's the Falcons. Honestly, I don't even want to touch on the Falcons. Bijan's do Bijan things. Like if you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts, like you're hoping and praying for next year. Like that's just really where it's at. Um, I do want to look at you know the Jets side. Xavier Gibson did lead that team uh, in receiving this week. Garrett Wilson still Garrett Wilson. Tyler Conklin did actually lead the team in targets. Uh, with nine targets, he actually had the second highest snap share as far as a pass catcher um, with uh, 50 snaps right behind Garrett Wilson. So maybe there's some hope there. I, as you mentioned, like Zach Wilson not wanting to play quarterback, whoever ends up throwing the ball or lining up and taking snaps, it's going to just be – it's going to be ugly, man. It's going to be ugly for both both of these teams, really. <laughs> and, Anybody outside of Garrett Wilson, I, I'm not even starting Tyler Conklin weekly. I still don't have enough faith there because they're still rolling out Jeremy Rooker as they're on this like youth movement as well. It's literally Garrett Wilson and nobody else. I honestly, there's some weeks in lineup formats. I would start. I would. I would sit Brees Hall pretty easily over some other guys too. I mean, it's a. I mean, I, I've. I will be honest. Like I've, I've started the heck out of Tyler Conklin, to, and uh, and it's paid off in dividends, especially in my heavy heavy tight end premium leagues. But um, yeah, I mean, like this week, what he had three for thirty five, and and like yeah, that's it's just that's just gross for for Tyler Conklin. But hey, he's a if you're getting nine targets as a tight end, I'm gonna take that over over anything else. CJ Uzama did get hurt and go out in this game, so Jeremy Rocker did get a little bit more run, but in the end, it was still, I mean, Tyler Conklin out snapped him fifty to twenty eight. 29 to 13 in terms of routes run and then targets was nine to two. So I'm legit not worried about Ty- Jeremy Ruckert. If Tyler Conklin can get catchable balls thrown his way and he gets nine targets, uh, I'm going to take the, what the five for 50 that he he'll end up netting you. Yeah. Um, 25. I'd say five for 25 for 25. And you know, he, he has had some of those too. Um, no doubt about it. So it's just move, a gross offense right now. Move, both, both sides of the ball, gross offenses. You know what you're getting yeah. with the Atlanta Falcons. Don't expect anything more. And honestly, I'm not expecting much change going into 2023 either, or 2024 either, outside of 2023. Yep. So let's move on to another game that had a bunch of rain delays, but ended up ha- you know finally finishing the game with the Arizona Cardinals ruining their draft selection uh, by beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, mentioned Kenny Pickett going out in this game and, and, and Mitch Trubisky coming in. Um, I guess being serviceable, I guess is the accurate word. Um, but it wasn't a pretty game. I mean, the, the Cardinals surprisingly like dominated from beginning to end. Uh, James Conner had 25 carries, 105 yards, did his two touchdowns. So uh, James Conner f- having his resurgence against his old team. I mean, that's it. Hollywood Trey Brown, Trey yeah, McBride, yeah, yeah, right. every single game. Right. Trey McBride. If honestly, as we were talking about that, Sam Laporta. Let me get let me get a good plus on top of Sam on, on top of Trey McBride, a down tier from Sam Laporta to Trey McBride. That's what I want to do. I want to get that type of plus. I mean, this is how this team has used the tight end position. We we saw it with Zach Ertz consistently. Trey McBride, we knew was one of the best tight ends in, in that class, or was the I think tight end one in that class. Um, and and he's finally again. It takes tight ends a little bit of time to come into their own get their opportunity and look at him. So uh, yeah, you're right. He is the only other highlight of note here outside of his 89 yards receiving 
number two on the team was the other tight end elijah higgins at 21 yards and then greg dorch with his 19 like this was an ugly game it was wet and rainy for some sort of you know context here so like i'm not totally dismissing the passing game but uh hollywood getting a goose egg hollywood so, was dealing with the heel injury i believe as well though that's true this game so he he didn't really he wasn't really the main target here then once you take out hollywood there's no other reasonable pass catcher yeah. other than trey mcbride so maybe maybe a little bit more caution than we're throwing out here because he is legitimately the only one it'll be interesting to see what this team does going into next year at the wide receiver position does feel like they're sitting in a prime spot for that marvin harrison jr type of pick here with three and ten and now third in uh, yeah we've, we've been calling for this one the entire time i've been calling for the fact that they won't have a top three draft pick Obviously, it's not the Texans' draft pick, so it's really only theirs anymore. Um, where are they? Where are they sitting in old old tankathon they're, right now? They're third, right? They now, are right. sitting in third with the Washington Commanders and Chicago Bears, New York Jets, New York Giants, Tennessee Titans, all at four and eight or four and nine, right above them. Ooh, we coming close here. You got Washington potentially taking a quarterback. Uh, we got the Cardinals up here. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I would love to see Marvin Kyler combo for fantasy purposes. And obviously I just don't want him to go to new England, but um, I know we, I know we talked about this last three games or last four games for them. They've got the 49ers, bears, Eagles, and Seahawks that bears for, game for, for the Cardinals. The Cardinals. Oh yeah. That bears game is going to be pivotal pivotal in what what we see the order for next year oh my goodness that's gonna be fun that's gonna be fun never thought i'd be so excited to see teams lose but here we are um yes so that that kind of i mean really wraps up this game on the other side of the ball we had mitch trubisky you know throwing 17 passes completing 11 like this again rainy game not really great conditions it's really hard to get a good gauge really george pickens his four for 86 was the highlight um, you know, even distribution as far as targets for Pickens, Deontay, and Frymuth each getting five. But I'm kind of just again giving it a wash. We'll see what a week with Trubisky and like taking start starter snaps is actually going to look like. Uh, but it's not going to be. I mean, I, I guess pick it. Yeah, pick it in. Yeah, Pickett and, and Trubisky are basically the same dude. Like in terms of like fantasy production, it's gonna be the same kind of output. Yep, they're going to run the ball a lot with Najee and Jalen Warren splitting about 50-50, and then you'll get your distributed targets between probably all three of Friarmouth, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens. It, it's going to be very mid for probably everybody unless the running back falls in the end zone. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty much i mean that's all i got there. Like not a whole lot of fun. Let's uh let's get into an actual competitive, interesting wild game with the indianapolis colts and the tennessee titans i mean holy cow we had punter injuries we had block punts we had field goal i I just an absolute i mean awesome entertaining game game. like absolutely entertaining awesome game (laughs) like michael Pittman with the game-winning touchdown what were your key takeaways here from the titans and the colts one chain steichen is awesome um Shane Steichen <laughs> I cannot wait to see Anthony Richardson back in this I offense know. next year it's going to be so fun to watch I mean if Gardner Minshew can run the RPO game as well as he's doing currently right now and then you put Anthony Richardson back into that role next year and Michael Pittman give, give this guy the contract 16 targets taken in this game and an absolutely monster baller game for Michael Pittman he's been doing it week over week cannot wait to see what this offense is 
obviously you got Jonathan Taylor out. And I don't think Zach Moss performed all that well in replacement, but he's going to be the guy down the stretch. No, th- th- this offense is going to run through. It's going to run through Michael Pittman. There's nothing else in this offense, and it's fantastic for the consolidated targets that he's going to see the rest of the way. And cannot wait for Anthony Richardson to come back. If people are still putting the injury discount on him, I will gladly buy me some Anthony Richardson here if I'm on one of those teams that's no longer competing down the stretch. Him with JT, give it a get a full off season in this offense. Like this is it's going to be so much fun. So yeah, Zach Moss did go nineteen for fifty one. Wasn't you know he got the volume, but wasn't the production. I think everyone had hoped for RB one numbers for. Uh, Pittman did have eleven catches, one hundred and five yards that touchdown. Alec Pierce had a fifty five yard touchdown as well. Uh, so big game for for him. Uh, he had three for one hundred. Kylan Granson three for 72 everyone just getting involved in this one but i mean that was pretty much it josh downs kind of insignificant three for 14 um on the flip side of this game we did have will levis i don't i still i mean don't know what to make of will levis he had the one good game i think it was buoyed by the the monster touchdowns and uh Derrick Henry was really Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears, I think, is kind of what the highlight of this offense was. 21 carries, 102 yards, two touchdowns for Henry, 16 for 75 uh, on the ground for Tajay, but he also had four catches as well on six targets. So he got involved in the passing game. I I don't know, man. It's the Titans. Like D Hop still had five for 75. Chigi Okonkwo, three for 62. Just not a very good offense other than the run game. No, unfortunately, for everything here in terms of the passing game, nothing's really working right now. You I don't I don't know what this team looks like in 2024. It feels like we come in every year and we're just like something has to change with the Titans, right? And they roll out the same exact thing. So I think they I think they end up rolling out Will Levis again and they roll him out with uh, another year on D Hop at 32, 33 years old, and they bring in hopefully Traylon Burks can stay healthy. Finally he got back in this game. I was I was starting to be concerned that they were gonna end up having to shut him down for the remainder of the year as he was out three weeks, I believe, with a concussion. It, he's he's almost on that QJ jamison williams train as well with just like they need something else in this offense other than just pounding it up pounding it on the ground with derrick henry and ty j spears and obviously we will see what happens with derrick henry next year too just not a not a team that you ever really want pieces of even if i mean you can throw you can throw d hop into a flex here for the rest of the year probably will levis is at least good enough to do that but otherwise now there there isn't much that i really even have two drastic takeaways you know what you know what you have in this team you just kind of wonder what it is going to be for next year. I don't think anybody really has an answer on that one right now. Yeah, lot, lots of mystery this offseason. I do think that, you know, who knows, depending on where their draft selection is. I, I feel like they're going to give Will Levis a chance, but maybe they're seeing enough out of him this year. They're like, well, maybe we just re-roll the dice out there and see what happens. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Traylon was limited in, in, limited in his return back, only took 10 snaps, ran five routes, no, nothing significant. But the fact he's out there, hey, it's it's a start. So um, anything else you want to recap on this game here? No, I think we move into this Miami Dolphins and Washington Commanders game. Miami just absolutely dominant it, from start to finish in this one. They're man covering Tyreek without any help over the top. He goes off. For a full five catches, 157 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle taking five catches for 52 as well. 
A-Chain and Mostert both doing well. A-Chain with 73 yards, two touchdowns, mostly in garbage time. But whenever it's the Miami Dolphins playing up against a team and a defense like the comp, like the Commanders right now, <laughs> this this is what Miami does to bad teams, and <laughs> we'll we'll look at what their we'll look at what their schedule looks like down the stretch here, because that's really what it is, like right? It's it's what they've done to every bad defense that they've played this year, from the early defense of the Denver Broncos who weren't really put together yet, to the Commanders here again. Every every team that they can beat up on, they just do not let off the gas pedal, and they end up scoring forty plus points. That's always the joke with Miami, right? Like it's it's the fact that they they beat the crap out of the crappy teams and then they can't compete with the good ones. So uh, we're gonna find out who the Dolphins really are. They do have the Titans coming up next, along with the Jets. But their final three games are they do have the Cowboys at home, so the Dolphins will be at home for that one. They go on the road to play the Ravens, and then they wrap up with the Bills at home. So they they have some competitive games, some fairly significant games as well. Uh, when you're looking at uh, you know these nine and three teams and and looking for the the bye week this uh this year, so will be will be something to to check out. Uh, not to mention we got to got to keep track in Tyreek's two thousand yard uh you know mark. Where are we here. at? Where are we at? I'm, I know it's on your whiteboard at home. It's got you've got an updated you got an updated little ticker every time you wake up. Where where are we at on that Tyreek two K season? So Tyreek had 157 yards receiving. So currently. He is at 1,481 yards receiving, I believe, if I uh, can calculate correctly. 519 left to go. Five games. Yep. We got this, man. We got this. (laughs) So uh, fingers crossed. uh, Been been calling for Tyree 2K for a long time. Really, really think this is going to happen. But, hey, again, competitive teams. Dallas isn't – I mean, they do give up the big play, so there's that. But uh, some of these teams are just – we'll see we'll see how this uh this pans out for for good old good old Tyree killed on the stretch but um, it's fantastic though you roll them all out yeah every single week <laughs> anyone in the Dolphins offense really like Jalen Waddle I, I he's gonna have his ups and downs but he did he was number two on the, in the team on receiving but yeah a chain and uh or a chance excuse me and Mostert of course in the running game that's what you want on the flip side of this your guy your man Sam Howell, 12 for 23, 127 yards passing and one touchdown. So he didn't I actually looked at the time of possession because I was like, how on earth did Sam Howell, Sam Howell not chuck the rock 50 times? And I honestly, I still don't know the full answer to that question other than the fact like it was like a 37 or yeah, it was 27 minutes of time of possession. So it was fairly, you know, fairly close. But I, I don't know. I think they were just well, trying to not get scored on. There's there's questions about why, uh, you know, if if Ron Rivera is actually looking at game plans and everything, running the ball 28 times when you're losing 45 to 15 is interesting. Um, Luckily, Sam Howell did have two rushing touchdowns, though, so that's going to save him. He does have that nice rushing floor. Um, But I I think we've talked about the Sam Howell one enough between last week's episode (laughs) and the uh, and and the overreaction and the fantasy draft room show that we did last week. If you ought to go back and listen to any more Sam Howell talk, I think we've exhausted that one to the point of we're just on opposite sides of if he starts (laughs) next year in 2024. We'll let you all determine from the arguments that we've already posed, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more throughout the offseason. So not not too much here. It is it is Antonio Gibson season that. Honestly, probably isn't all that much of a season. Chris Rod, we already talked about that one in the opener. 
Terry McLaurin getting absolutely goosed running gassers all day, though. He's can can Terry McLaurin get out of this team? Because it feels like he absolutely oh. hates being here right now. Yeah, there's going to be some massive changes this offseason. So um, don't, don't know what that means for the team as a whole. Uh, you, you never know how they're going to roll this out there. Can they get any value for him and just trade him away? I, I feel for him, but it seems like you know he he does appreciate the team and the area, and hopefully uh, they can finally get uh, an offense around him that's going to utilize him in the right way. And who knows? Maybe this is just what Terry McLaurin is. Uh, we, I think we've all had high hopes for him. I don't think it should be this bad. But he's been, you know, and for fantasy purposes, had having his ups and downs and consistencies just given the offense and the the team as a whole. So not totally surprised. Just feel bad for him uh, when you're when you're running running gassers all day. So uh, yeah, I got his cardio uh, in. I, I did forget that was the recent contract for Terry McLaurin. So we've got two more years at 18 million dollars a piece, roughly for up until 2025 for old Terry McLaurin. Yep. It's gonna be a. I mean, you could probably you could probably trade him out if you wanted to, and he actually raises a fit this offseason. I don't know if that's the the game plan forward. If everything does get re rolled here, that we're kind of expecting to happen with Riverboat Ron being the lame duck head coach, who they're just gonna roll out through the rest of the year. It's it's interesting that this is very interesting offense going into twenty twenty four. Luckily for this one, I think we'll know a lot more answers based upon what the firings look like and what the potential hirings look like very early throughout the offseason. Let's move into the Carolina Panthers and Tampa Bay Bucks because we got a celebration here. And we got to celebrate one Mike Evans for hitting 1,000 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns yet again. Just 10 years in a row. Start golf clap. Hall of Fame, message to Canton. Just start carving his bust right now. One of the most disrespected and underrated wide receivers over the last 10 years in the NFL, consistently putting up over a grand with the likes of Jimmy Dubs back in his early days. Uh, I had to get that one in there one more time for you, Chase. Tom Brady, obviously, and then Baker Mayfield now. I mean, he's done this with a different cast of characters, different head coaches, different systems, with Chris Godwin potentially being the wide receiver one at times over him. And he just consistently goes back out there and is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and is completely disrespected. If he gets disrespected again during this offseason and people are selling him for seconds again, you should probably go out and buy for seconds again because what is he going to do next year? I'm going to bet that he goes out for another 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns again because until he proves me wrong, he's like the Derrick Henry of wide receivers right now. Whenever you see those Keenan Allens and you see all these guys that people are just trying to throw them away off of old non-contending rosters anymore, that is that is how you turn a roster into a contender within an offseason is you get guys like Mike Evans to just roll back out there year over year. And he he's a free agent, so he gets to pick his destination. I mean, he could come back and just stay stay with the uh, stay with the Bucks. A high high possibility of that happening. Just, you know, given uh, where he's at in his career, he might get a nice little sentimental contract from the from the team. So uh, there's that possibility or he can go ring chasing. I just don't know that that is going to happen in Tampa. But, yeah, uh, unfortunately, like I kind of hope that he could just stay like, even though I'm not really a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan at all, like I do kind of hope that he could just play out an entire career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it does feel like we're probably in a little bit more of just like middling floundering mode 
with Baker Mayfield in there. Like they're good enough to win some games right now, but they're also probably going to be picking in the top 12 ish of the NFL draft this year, even with the team as it is not really performing to the standards, especially in a very weak NFC South should probably be better than they are. So I would not blame him at all. If he went, we're going to, we're going to say every year we start to put these things together. Hey, there's two teams out there right now. The Kansas City Chiefs obviously need a number one wide receiver, <laughs> and the Buffalo Bills might be losing Gabe Davis in free agency as well. So if we want to put oh, him man. with either Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, it'd be awesome. We also just talked about the Detroit Lions don't really have a true wide receiver one or wide receiver two, so he'd be awesome up there with Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown. Let's just forecast this thing and wish it for the best possible outcomes because Mike Evans deserves another Super Bowl ring. You know, I mean, uh, Houston could use a, another one. You got the Cardinals. I mean, we you, we could put all these destinations out there. Like, I, I do think Mike Evans stays a Tampa Bay Buck, but there will be no shortage of teams of interest for sure. There, there's going to be no shortage. He he will be able to go anywhere he wants as long as the money follows. So, uh, I mean, he did have seven receptions, 162 yards, that big long 75 yard touchdown. Uh, so he did have himself a decent game. Sticking with that same side of the ball, uh, Rashad White still doing, you know, uh, hey, man, disc, discounted him. He he has continuously put up RB1 numbers this year, 20 carries, 84 yards and a touchdown does get three receptions for 22 yards in the, you know, in the passing game. Uh, Godwin, I guess, is the one of note who did get goose egged in the air. So that was kind of a rough one. But yeah, man, this Tampa Bay Bucks offense, it's it's truly Chris God or it's Godwin on most weeks. Mike Evans and Rashad White, and maybe you'll get the occasional pop game for for old Kate Otten. Yeah, and other side of the ball, there's nothing that ever happens because it's the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young <laughs> in his rookie year that's gone to absolute hell. I uh, saw that he actually applied for the transfer portal in the NFL, and he was rejected because they don't have one, unfortunately. He did try, <laughs> though, his damnedest to get out of that situation, just like the Carolina Panthers went out of everything and he got saw, out of everything that they already set up. He saw all his friends tr- you know, trying to transfer you know, in college. He's like, man, maybe I can try it. So, yeah, didn't, uh, unfortunately, it's just not going to be the case for him. He's got uh, a long, long career ahead in, in, in uh, old Carolina. And unfortunately, I mean, hey, Chuba Hubbard, 25 carries for 104 yards. Um, That's one of the best probably running games that you'll ever see from this offense and scoring 18 points, probably one of their highest point totals that they'll see throughout the rest of this year as well. Calling all HVV contenders. Uh, He's available. Come and get him. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, He's using his platform for uh, personal gain. (laughs) <laughs> whoa not like i'm out here pumping the chuba <laughs> the chuba price up um, the one thing i did want to note uh in the passing game is you know adam Thielen still uh, you know still involved this wasn't his game though this was a jonathan mingo game he did actually lead the, the team in targets snaps routes run like this was he was the number one wide receiver this week six catches 69 yards uh had some decent moments for this offense i mean i think that's the whole thing you have to remember what team you're watching here but uh he he did have some some significant involvement which was nice to see i i'm i'm a little interested in this in in his last four games he's had seven six six and ten targets i mean he's he's getting the work but again it's just what this offense is and he's only turned that in to 14 catches over that over that span as well 
it's just everything's going to be inefficient in this offense. It does give you a little bit of hope if you want to like invest in the long-term upside of a Jonathan Mingo type because it's obviously not going to be Adam Thielen. They don't have that much draft capital to spend on a new like high first-round draft pick wide receiver because they don't have one because they gave it up for Bryce Young. The team's going to be a long work in progress, but at least you have a little bit of upside with Jonathan Mingo. But with how bad the team is, I don't know yet how much upside I wouldn't be banking on him to be like the breakout candidate for 2024 or anything, but at least, at least if you're holding him, I don't think there's any reason to really panic. You just kind of got to know what you have for the rest of the year and hope that things turn around in 2024. Yeah. And that's just kind of the play is, is uh, there was talk of Mingo being a developmental guy as well. Like, you know, hopefully late in the season, he he can kind of come into his own and break out. And this is, it's just nice to see his involvement right now. Uh, considering where it was early on in the season, it was very, very QJ-esque. So uh, at least he's catching the footballs that are thrown his way. Uh, I think he looks a lot better than QJ, so that's lovely to see for for him and for Bryce. But uh, yeah, it's going to be him in this offense, and it's more or less you're just taking a bet. You're taking a bet that hopefully he can still be the one and that he can grow into this role and overtake Adam Thielen next year. So that's, that's just a, a big – it is a lot of hopium, but – Hey, that's what we got to you got to take some gamble somewhere. Moving into so. the best game of that Sunday afternoon slate by far. Best game by far. San Francisco going out there backing up all of the talk. Oh, that fantastic game. Absolutely love to see it from the San Francisco 49ers against the Philadelphia Eagles. Brock Purdy going out there and is now tied for the lead of MVP voting in the betting market, along with Dak Prescott, Debo Samuel on what was it? A total of seven touches in one air yard going for a total of (laughs) 138 yards and three touchdowns, one air yard total. And that you, you know, we don't even need to spend too much time here. The San Francisco 49ers are the best team in NFL football currently, as it stands right now. They should be the Super Bowl favorite, even over those Dallas Cowboys that he is tied with in the MVP voting of Dak Prescott. He's playing incredible football, but this is an all around well built team. Absolutely laid the hammer down on the Philadelphia Eagles. I love to see it. Yeah, man. Uh, Debo showed out as the Yak God. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he did Debo things. This is what we saw two years ago when he was, I believe, a top three wide receiver. So this was a vintage performance for him. CMC, obviously, like you know the players on San Francisco, like you you know the ones that are that are important, and you want to have a piece of this offense. You don't know which one's going to pop each week. You don't know who's you know if Debo's going to go off or not, or if Kittle's going to have his monster performances. But someone in this offense will go off. Um, and you want a piece of it. So, uh, again, it's a Shanahan offense. Great to see. I agree with you 100%. This is the best team in football. Um, yeah. Keep rolling this, them out there. Yeah, just, just keep rolling them out there. <laughs> uh, just to jump to the – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, like you said, you know exactly which guys you want. They only targeted five guys the entire game. The only reason that anybody else got run was because they were absolutely beating the brakes off the Philadelphia Eagles in that second half. And so Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason got some run, and Sam Darnold even got in there for a snap. Everybody else, you know exactly (laughs) Exactly. what they're going to do. Exactly. Same thing on the other side of the ball. It's very consolidated offense. The Eagles uh, have, you know, Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, like that's all you want in the, in the past, as far as wide receivers, Dallas Goddard, obviously still out. Once he gets back, you want him, but uh, this, this team just, it wasn't, wasn't ready. Wasn't ready for it. 
Uh, the the 49ers just were very, very well prepared for this one and uh, just beat the brakes off of them. Yep. And if you want to make the excuses on the Philadelphia Eagles side, they did play three games, I believe, in 13 games. They played them again. They're in a very tough stretch right now, playing against very good teams. Still not a reason to go out there and uh, lay the egg that they did. And the only other thing that I really have from this one, monitor DeAndre Swift because he got destroyed in the fourth quarter catching that pass over the middle. Don't think he's popped up on any injury report yet. I really want to see if he's popping up on an injury report tomorrow. Didn't come back the rest of that game, but I, I haven't heard any like definitive injury news on him. But he got leveled, and I honestly don't know how he gets out of concussion protocol, except for the fact that it was a clean hit. Yeah, from from what I'm saying, I mean, there's only two other plays in the game. So after that hit, so uh, yeah, definitely monitor his practice reps here this week. I do know Kenneth Gainwell came in. I mean, I think he outsnapped Swift in this one. This was more of a Kenneth Gainwell game based on the game script. So. Uh, kind of keep an eye out on, on DeAndre as we kind of go through here. So um, move on to last daytime game. We have one nighttime game for, for the Packers and the Chiefs, but let's get into uh, what was it, the Rams and the Footsteps Browns here. Flacco. Footsteps Flacco in his first game back. Yeah, man. Performing decently well, but this was a game just controlled by the Rams. Kyron Williams taking every running back snap except for one, I believe. And back this game. This game was just controlled by the Rams all the way through, but Joe Flacco still 254 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Do we do we see Flacco here with the Cleveland Browns team that's still trying to make the playoffs? He's is he starter going forward after this performance? I mean, I don't see why not. Like he, I mean, what else? What else is Cleveland gonna just roll out? Roll there? Back I think out you got to Dorian Thompson Robinson after the concussion protocol clear. Yeah, I think you give Flacco one another game, see if he see if he can go out there and, and look sharp again. Uh, I mean, dude still had there. There were times like towards the end of the game, like it almost looked like it was arm fatigue where he just hasn't thrown the ball that much um, where he had some darts early on. And then late later on in the game, it was like a, a lame duck throw. I'm like, ah, there's 40 year old Flacco throwing the ball back at it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the Brown season, unfortunately, there's I can't believe they're seven and five. I think that's the the more shocking thing than anything. That defense is incredible. They're just trying to piecemeal this thing together to to finish the year out uh if they make the playoffs good for them but uh de- going down the stretch here what they have to face they have the jaguars which i guess just got potentially a little bit easier they do have the browns texans jets and Bengals. so i mean they have an actual winnable schedule to make the playoffs unfortunately for oh. for football fans bears okay Bears was the one you said the Browns. So I was confused to how the Browns. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> yeah, they got to play themselves. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's their bye week game in, in week 16. No, yeah, but yeah. I, I think the one the one big takeaway for me, if Flacco is that guy for the rest of the way, the Elijah Moore connection is still there going out and putting up. What, what was that number? Uh, as I just lost the lost the tab. But he's out oh. there putting putting 10 plus targets onto Elijah Moore. I know Cooper did go out of this game. But there was a connection that they had and a lot of work that was given to Elijah Moore during their time in the New York Jets system. And they picked up right where they left off with Elijah Moore being the one. I could actually see him being a piece that potentially, if you still have that trade deadline open, you are on the contender. Probably doesn't cost you that much to get an Elijah Moore right now. And I think he could have a pretty good, pretty good stretch here the rest of the way. Yeah, four catches and, and 83 yards. So on, on 12 targets, which is not great. But hey, if he's getting if he's getting the ball thrown his way, I mean, you got to be happy about that. Um, I, I will say it was like what Harrison Bryant had had a, a solid 
you know fantasy performance for us this week. So if you have them in best ball, congratulations. Other than that, there's really nothing on the Cleveland side that was all that exciting. Uh, flipping it to to you know your your Kyron Williams show Puk, Puka Nakua. The one thing I, I wasn't sure of if you even know this, but I know Puka went out. Uh, looked like it was a rib injury potentially where he he landed on the ball. I'm not sure if uh, low if low grade a- low grade AC sprain was what he was Perfect. actually diagnosed with. Came back into that game yeah. and he's already came out and said that he he expects to be fine and suiting up for the week 14 slate. Perfect. Love to hear that. So, uh, yeah, he had a monster, you know, game again with 100 yards in the air. Uh, but again, with this game out of hand, wasn't a ton that they needed to do to uh, to really just chuck the rock around. So no, pretty only other one, only other one to monitor is the Tyler Higby injury. He did not return yes. in this game. He did get cleared from concussion protocol already, which is good to see, but he's dealing with a stinger. It was a hit to the neck, actually, instead of the head, I guess. And so he's dealing with, I guess, a little bit. I think he was came off holding his hand. Maybe there was a little bit of like a nerve pinch that shot down through his hand as he was running off. I kind of deal with that one, so I know what that one's like. So (laughs) hopefully he's able to progress with that neck stinger and he doesn't have any like lingering nerve damage throughout the week and if if not though obviously monitor it it was hunter long that stepped into this role though so if you do get like a one week rental starter at tight end probably wouldn't be looking for it they do believe they have a the ravens matchup coming up next week who's a very bad matchup for the tight end position so probably not rolling him out there unless it's a really heavy tight end premium best ball league just wanted to monitor in case you do have that tyler Haby that you're counting on for next week and then we'll wrap things up here with uh, the Sunday night game, which are the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, a lot more competitive game than I think it most anticipated. I think the Chiefs were, were pretty much uh, widely picked as the the winner in this one, and Green Bay Packers came away with it. So uh, they did their thing. Uh, Christian Watson had seven receptions, 71 yards, and two touchdowns uh, for, for that side of the ball. I mean, Jordan Love threw for three touchdowns again. I mean, it's it was one of those performances. Well, I guess, yeah, obviously. It's like one of those performances that you finally get from Jordan Love. This is that inconsistent we talk, inconsistency we talk about, where he has some down games and he comes out here and he goes 25 for 36, 260, and three touchdowns, no picks. It's like, oh, okay. He can be a serviceable NFL quarterback. So I, I do think that Jordan loves what I'm investing in, you know, as far as like actionable things. Um, you know, if your trade deadline's still there, maybe you try and go get yourself some some Jordan Love for for the future or even try buying him this offseason. I do think he at least has next year to to earn a contract. And if this team can be in a uh, you know a better spot than it is, they're not gonna be really in a spot to draft anybody. So Jordan Love might have a lot more security than we're anticipating. No, these last these last four or five games that he's put together, you talk about him being consistent. He's he's been balling out in four or five weeks in a row now. He's really been stringing it together, and it's it's great to see from Jordan Love over the past five six. We'll go six games here. We'll go two two hundred twenty nine, two hundred twenty eight, two hundred eighty nine, three hundred twenty two, two hundred sixty eight, two hundred sixty seven passing yards in six games in a row. Hasn't gone. It's only had one game this year without a touchdown. He's had two more touchdowns in the past four games straight. Doesn't have an interception in the last three. Jordan Love's been balling out, man. He's been he's won now three straight games against the Chargers, the Lions, and the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no way, no way yeah. he's not a starter next year. The offense is one of the sure. youngest in the league. They only had 48 catches, I believe, coming into the year from anybody in their wide receiver room as a whole, and that included two guys who were on a practice squad to start off the season. 
It's this is Jordan Love's team. He's growing into a role. We're seeing more consistency. This is kind of that progression that you want to see from not obviously not a rookie, but a guy who's really taking his role in the NFL for the first time this year. Um, is he ever going to jump up into ranges that are higher than like what we're seeing from the current Jared Goff or anything? Probably not. But if he can be that and be that for a good couple of years, it's very, very usable at the quarterback position in Superflex as we currently see it right now. Um, I'm starting to get really bought into Jordan Love going forward. Yeah, I think that's that's the whole thing is is people discount him just because of the job security, right? Like it's it's a you know he has the one year extension for next year, and that's pretty much it. There's no long term security at this moment. But um, I think he's done enough to to sh- like you said to show really what his capabilities are enough growth because this is like his first year starting that. I, you know, I have hope for, for Jordan Love. I have hope for this Packers offense as a whole. I mean, it, it can only truly get better as long as they're all healthy. And um, yeah, uh, very, very invested in him. And then I think it's just a pass catcher. Like s- someone's going to catch some balls that, you know, any given week could be Jaden Reed, could be Christian Watson. Heck, it could be Dontavian Wicks or Malik Heath. Like it could be any of them. And uh, with Musgrave out for, you know, on IR, like it, he could be back. Everyone gets involved in this offense. So it's it's just, it is a fun offense to have pieces of and i think once it gets more consistent for each of these individuals like we'll love it for fantasy purposes yeah it's a little bit too spread around for my liking it's not one of those highly concentrated offenses and i right. don't think jordan love is ever really going to with the weapons that he has none of them are actually that difference making for me to say that there's going to be one guy that's dominating snap share targets every single week in and out uh, i do think that this is probably just going to be more of that wide receiver by committee especially with now Tucker Craft looking like he's serviceable when <laughs> Musgrave comes back as well. Really, they just need the running game to kind of figure itself out. I mean, A.J. Dillon had a pretty nice game here, 18 carries for 73 yards, but I don't think we're really looking at him as anything special. And then Aaron Jones looking like he's probably on the downside of his career with some injuries going on right now. Really, you just need a little bit more out of the running game, and this this offense looks to be functioning very well with the pieces that it has and as young as it is. Love to see what it's going to be going into 2024. Yeah, another one we're always interested in is that Kansas City Chiefs team. So flipping it over to the other side, Isaiah Pacheco did uh, have himself a day, 18 carries, 110 yards, one touchdown, no Jarek McKinnon in this one. Um, so we did get to see some more pass catching from Pacheco and CEH, I guess. But Pacheco did have three catches for 13 yards. Uh, I believe the big, I don't say big story, but Rasheed Rice leading the team in targets. You know, he had, you know, did bring in eight for 64 Travis Kelsey, of course, led the team in reception or in uh, in yardage with four for eighty one. Uh, still, Travis Kelsey's, you know, still his team, but uh, unfortunately, they they just couldn't uh, couldn't do enough on offense to to win this thing. It feels like there's just something missing with the Kansas City Chiefs, and and I don't necessarily want to say it's a wide receiver. I, I don't know for sure what the answer is, but it just feels like something's just missing. They have Pacheco shows up. Kelsey's there. Mahomes does Mahomes things. I don't know. They just, they, they've fallen apart against now the Packers and the Broncos uh, in back-to-back weeks. And 
I don't know. Something something's missing there for for the Kansas City Chiefs. They have to play through defense right now. Their offense isn't good enough as it cur- as it's currently constructed. They don't have any way to make explosive plays on the offense. They can throw deep shots to Justin Watson and MVS every time, and they'll probably drop them like every other receiver re- drops every single pass that's thrown their way. He's dealing with the most drops in the league currently right now. They can't score in the second half of games, and they're getting down, and then they can't come back because the offense just truthfully isn't good enough as it's currently constructed. It's wild to see and wild to say about a Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs Andy Reid offense. That's the current state of things, and I don't know. They're they're nowhere near the same team that they were last year. They're nowhere near the same team that they've been the past probably six years straight. They're, they're not one of the best teams in the NFL right now, even though they have a very good defense that didn't show up this game. And if the defense doesn't show up, the offense isn't good enough to carry them anymore as it's currently constructed. Yeah. And, and when I say the Broncos, I, I just pointing out some some kind of notable losses. They did end up playing uh, other teams in between there. But um, yeah, I mean, you lost to the Eagles in a close one. Uh, they did beat the the Raiders, losing to the Packers. Uh, and then they did sneak out that win against the Dolphins. So, But again, the Dolphins don't play well against you know, teams over 500. So that's just their MO. Uh, I don't know. Again, I'm not overly concerned with the chiefs. I do think they're going to be fine. They always figure it out. MVS. I mean, truly, truly MVS dropped the game when he touched down and we wouldn't be talking about this at all. So, um, (laughs) you know, that kind of changed things for, for that team, but yeah, it it does feel different for Kansas city. I still think they're a, a competitive playoff team. It feels different for a lot of teams in the AFC, like the, the, the Bills aren't what we thought they'd be. The Bengals have no Joe Burrow. The Chiefs just seem like they're missing something. Like it just feels like a very different AFC from really what we anticipated to be just a juggernaut of a conference. Yeah, completely flipped on its head. The juggernauts are the Dallas Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Eagles willing themselves to games, all except for this last week. And then you've got the AFC that's just kind of bouncing around in shambles. Like Ravens are probably the best team over there right now. Yeah, I mean, what you got there? Ravens, Dolphins. I mean, the Jag- Jaguars are in shambles. Like again, hopefully T Law is okay. Don't want don't want to put that out there, but again, hopefully T Law is okay. Just going to be a, a lot of fun. There's there's a lot of really competitive in conference games that are going to determine things for the playoff picture. Uh, we have a lot of b- big movement for for Tankathon as far as figuring out where these teams are going to end up with a draft selection. So lots of things to, to to still be very excited about, especially if you are knocked out of your fantasy playoffs. You probably know where you're at at this point. <laughs> so we got uh, you know one more week for for most of us. Some some people like we have our, our copy leagues where we start the playoffs next week. Um, a lot of fun coming up here. A lot of fun. Yeah, and we'll probably start to get away from just the going through the slate and the overreactionary nature of everything because at this point, what is the what is the week to week overreaction matter as much anymore? The trade market isn't probably alive for a lot of leagues, even though that's the wrong way to play. You should have your trade deadlines open all the way through if you're playing in a good league. But that's besides the point. We can get into those conversations more in the off season as we're rebuilding our teams for 2024 and our leagues for 2024. But we'll get away from this a little bit and start talking a little bit more of the kind of overarching dynasty fantasy concepts especially some playoff matchups and stuff and then a little bit more theory as well getting away a little bit from this just weekly slate breakdown overreactions of where we think we can pivot off the injuries and trying to talk you through some of the moves that we're trying to make week to week we're going in the off season now and so it's going to be a lot more about the construction of your rosters the theory behind the moves you're making and the best way to do that is through signing up with destinationdevy.com 
access to all of the tools over there, the Trinity metrics for all of the wide receivers, the war machine for all breaking down every one of your individual dynasty leagues. If the, if the format is different and you should not be playing in only cookie cutter formats, it makes it a lot more fun whenever you have the point per carry leagues, the tight end premium leagues, super flex one QB. If you want to throw those in there too, I play in one. It's actually kind of fun. I just won though. I don't really want any more than that. Cause super flex is where it's at best ball lineup. It breaks it all down and it tells you exactly how you need to best construct your rosters. And then obviously listen in to the dynasty roster construction series. It's Scott is breaking down right now. He just broke down the quarterback one yesterday and he's going to be finishing it up with wide receivers. So if you're listening to us, hopefully you've been tapping into that and everything else that is going in on the Destination Debbie radio feed going on right now. It's going to be an awesome time as we're going into the playoffs, moving into the offseason. We've got rookie mocks dropping on the Destination Debbie YouTube feed and we'll be dropping our own here probably shortly as well once we really get started into prospect evaluation. If your season's over, the season really is, the season's never over. We're going to get into so much more fun stuff here in the next couple of weeks. And then once we get geared up towards off season, honestly, I, I in some ways, I actually do love the off season more than we do the actual fantasy season because it actually just goes by so quickly and you can't even really figure out what's going on. The time for theory, the time for evaluation and the time to really grow as a dynasty player is through the off season. And the best way to do that destination, patreon.com forward slash all gas, getting yourself into that Heisman discord. Yep, absolutely. Make sure you find the tier that's best for you. But if you are in that Heisman tier, uh, you will have access to all of the content creators, being able to jump in voice chat, being able to have conversations with everybody, ask your questions all day, every day hands down the best place to be to improve your fantasy game so uh with that we are we're really looking forward to to having like you said that new conversation talking about some theory talking about some uh, ideas for the offseason how we can help improve rosters uh, a lot of a lot of fun stuff coming up here so yes th- make sure you do follow us on twitter cody smith tfdr trophy chase tfdr and thank you so much for joining us here on the overreaction podcast <laughs>